Welcome to episode 145 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Neumann. Hi there, John. So for our podcast this week, Dirk, I'd like to discuss the uh, potential for a world filled with robots and, you know, what this means for, for people and, and for design, generally speaking. Isn't it already a world filled with robots? Aren't we already there? We are there to an extent if you're in the manufacturing biz for, for certain. And there are all kinds of robots in, you know, in the warehouse um, uh, area as well. I remember in the mid-1980s, John, my grandfather gave me an electronic chess set. And I could set the level and it would play against me. Now, there was no, no being sitting on the other side of the table, but the little lights would show me what moves to make. Isn't mm-hmm. that a robot? I would think so in, 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 a, in a sort of classic general definition. So we've got a lot of those, I think. We've got a lot of those around these days. Sure. Yeah, there's, there's plenty, of, plenty of, uh, of robots of different, of different stripe. I think for me, the, uh, the revelation that I had while, while watching Boston Dynamics' uh, recent demo of their latest uh, bipedal robot, which is called Atlas. It's their version two. You can go on YouTube and find this this video demo of this this robot doing things like, you know, walking through the woods or or working in in a warehouse. Um, the revelation that I had was that there were going to be these bipedal sort of collaborative robots that might be more present, say, than the. Uh, than the the chess robot that you referred to, so something that is that is uh, more evident uh, in my everyday life than than say uh, uh, in the uh, outer reaches or, or very specific applications like like you suggested. What was your impression of the uh, of the Boston Dynamics demo there? My impression is complicated, so I actually want to start with your impression because I think yours is is more what more people would have felt and uh-huh. what I would, would expect. So first share your impression. Talk about the video a little more and talk about what you thought of it, and then okay. we'll circle back to me. All right, fair enough. So uh, just to be clear, I, 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 I want to describe a little bit more what's on the video, and of course uh, we'll put a link up on our website so, so listeners, you can go and view it as well if you already haven't seen it. So... So Atlas is uh, this robot that's about five foot nine, uh, 180 pounds or so, and it looks, frankly, like a robot that you might see uh, uh, in that like iRobot Will Smith uh, movie from a few years ago. So as I as I mentioned, you know, it, it walks upright on on two legs. Uh, it has a funny little gait, so so it sort of looks like it's picking up its knees a little bit higher than uh, than a human would when when it's uh, walking, and and the video is is really amazing. It it starts with Atlas in the lobby of Boston Dynamics, and and Atlas is going for a walk. So uh, the robot pushes open the door and heads out into the the lovely snowy New England woods of. Uh, you know the Boston Dynamics campus, and it's walking along, picking its way over these 
uh, logs and snow-covered leaves and and generally doing a very good job of it. And and I think, you know, so in this these first few moments of the video, you notice that that the robot is kind of slipping and writing itself as it um, as it does so. So so the the reality of the uneven ground, the the sort of uh, natural surroundings where you know a, a human being would probably not have too much trouble walking. Uh, this robot is navigating it and 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 doing so in a way that uh, that I found fairly amazing. I mean, I, you know, I have a young a young son, and uh, it it kind of reminded me of of the tentative walking of of. Um, uh, you know, not, not a toddler, but, sl- you know, slightly older than that. So now this, this, this next part of the, of the video, I found a little bit, uh, it made me a little bit uneasy. And, and it was the part where Atlas is demoing uh, what it can do in the warehouse. So it's picking up um, boxes and putting them on shelves, which I think are, you know, uh, you know, it's a fairly common task in the warehouse. But then there's also this this moment where it's trying to pick up a box and there's a Boston Dynamics employee and he comes over and he knocks the box out of its hand, you know, very deliberately with a hockey stick. And then Atlas goes back and tries to pick up the box again and then he sort of knocks it out. Um, and then later on in the video, the same employee pushes Atlas down very, very roughly. So, so the robot falls to the floor. And then after a moment, it, you know, sort of pushes off on its arms and comes back upright uh, as if, you know, nothing had happened and it's ready to go back to work. So the unease that I felt of this humanoid, um, uh, you know, like robot that was you know, if, if this were a human being being uh, abused with a hockey stick, you know, you'd feel like rotten about what was happening. Uh, and this is called the phenomenon is called the uncanny valley, uh, which is essentially, you know, I had I had not experienced that sensation uh, previously to such an extent. Like it, it seemed cruel to be treating the robot in this manner. And I realized all of a sudden that I was ascribing you know, human characteristics to this humanoid robot, which then made me think if there were a bunch of these things around there, they may not be beings in the sense, you know, using the air quotes, but it sure as heck felt that way. And, and that was, you know, watching this video was one of the first times, if not the first time that I really got that sensation of unease, you know, known as the uncanny Valley. I mean, that is, you know, that is an ongoing design question for those who are, you know, designing uh, the experience of the robotics industry, because how close do you make these things to uh, human-like if we're going to ascribe human, uh, you know, the robot doesn't have feelings, the, the robot doesn't care that it got pushed to the ground with a hockey stick, uh, but I cared. Uh, so, so... You don't know the, what the robot's programming is. You don't know how... Sure may or may not have, quote-unquote, felt whatever feeling means in a certain way mm-hmm. um, on those things being done to it. Sure. So, so this, this engendered in me a, a, a certain reaction which, which made me imagine uh, downtown Boston filled with robots doing a variety of, of, of tasks to, to help people out, whether it was, uh, you know, 
uh, help them from their automatic, uh, automated cars or, you know, uh, oh, I don't know, assist in, in bringing packages into buildings. I don't know. I just had this flash of, you know, Boston 10 years from now. Uh, and, and I think that was something that, that made me think twice about what a robot human society would look like. So there's my initial reaction, Dirk. What's your takeaway? Well, John, you totally came full circle because at the start of this recording, you you talked about with, with enthusiasm how you can see the path to this world of these bipedal robots all around us. And then you reacted to the things that were happening in that video in ways that would suggest that it might not be bipedal robots or it might not be so fast that this is happening. So you kind of went full circle there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my reactions actually, now that you've spoken through the whole thing, were, were pretty similar to yours. I, you know, on the technology side, the technology was um, impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was still, you know, it was clumsy. It's not moving like a human. It's herky-jerky, you know. But, yeah, I mean, being able to navigate snowy uh, woodland terrain and, and do some of the other things that it did were, were pretty cool. But what I took away from the video was real um, real discomfort, real disgust, I would say even, at how the robot was treated by the employee there. And, you know, you mentioned that the hockey stick was taken and, you know, the hockey stick was sort of violently knocking the box out. Right. Um, and as you mentioned, the shoving down was really, it was like a hockey check. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, bam, like, you know, this man, this big man really hammered down this robot with violence and animus. Um, and I was appalled, to be honest with you. I was completely appalled because the point of doing these things was to show that the robot technology has developed to a point that it's not just this script where walk forward, pick up this box and do the next step. It's walk forward, pick up this box. Something goes wrong. You need to pick up the box again. And the robot is doing that properly. That's what that experiment was designed to show. But the the human individual could have come over, put their hands on the top and bottom of the box, pulled it out of the robot's grasp, and put it on the ground. They didn't need to take a hockey stick and hammer it down with violence and negativity. Um, you know, to show the robot being able to stand back up. They didn't need to body check it down mm-hmm. with this male aggression. Um, so I was completely appalled. Um, and I think it's it's a, a really a troubling example of how people are um, people are conditioned to behave toward technology. And the more human that that technology is, either in appearance and or behavior, um, the more that that shifts from something that is sort of tolerated because the technology is just a dumb big plastic box into something that is really, um, truly and certainly is an ugly uh, expression of the worst of humanity. You know, on our last episode, John, at the end of it, I was I was kind of dismissively saying we're filthy animals. And this was an, a great example of it. It was a great example of how at the end of the day, we are filthy animals behaving badly. And um, I, I, I shudder to think that we're going to be in a world with robots intermingled with ourselves and we're going to treat the robots in the way that this jackass at Boston Dynamics was was treating the robot. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was 
I was very troubled. And what I took away from their concept video, which was supposed to be a celebration of the capability of this robot, was the the sort of deplorable behavior of of this individual on their design team. Yeah, I I don't know if 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 my reaction is is quite that strong, but I get what you're saying and and what's funny is because of of you know, as you said, this is supposed to be a celebration of of the technology. I did you know, feel like, hey, you know, this, this is pretty amazing what they can do. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of wondered, you know, why the demo was set up that way. Um, they didn't think about it is why. They took for granted that that's what you do. Maybe they thought it was funny, you know, maybe. But there was no respect. There was no, there was, there was not humanity. It was, um, you know, it, it felt like male locker room bullshit uh, writ large in a, in a, public marketing corporate context. And I, I would think that robots are probably one of the few um, one of the few areas where this would still be acceptable. If it was something that was aggressive and stuff with a woman at the center, it would be totally unacceptable. Something aggressive with a racial minority, totally unacceptable. But here we still have these little these little corners where it's okay for boys to be boys and be stupid. Um, I think it's just thoughtless. It's just People being themselves, their natural extension of how people behave in these situations, and not for a second thinking it's wrong. Boston Dynamics publishes this thing and is beating the drum and is is excited about it. And in the process, I mean, I think it makes them look pretty stupid. Yeah, I think there's there's an interesting question if you consider the way humanity's um, understanding of animal life has evolved over time. So... You know, the the, you know, most well-known group, of course, is people for the ethical treatment of animals. Right. So uh, to expand upon your question there, if it were a woman or, you know, a child or whatever, getting hit with a hockey stick or a know, dog or a cat, that's where this this <laughs> yeah. is where I'm going. With this, exactly. Right? No, it's so, a clever. It's a clever analogy. Because, OK, so so you're like, of course, you wouldn't do that to another human being. Now, that's unacceptable. For most of us, right? Um, and and then, you know, you follow on with, well, if someone had, you know, sort of shoved their dog to the ground with a hockey stick, would you would you be okay with that? Probably not. I don't know if you would uh, interfere with that, but at the same time, you probably wouldn't think, you know, much of the person who did that. You'd say, okay, dog owners who love their dogs aren't, you know, even when they're disciplining them, I don't know if that's the way they treat them or not. So, so you, you kind of wonder if number one, the bipedal robots, just because of the uncanny Valley, if that will be too much to surmount, right. That, that, uh, will ascribe human characteristics. We'll have people for the ethical treatment of robots and we won't be able to advance, you know, in, in, with this technology because it's just too close to our own, um, interpretations of, of, of human behavior. Uh, or, you know, if we'll go to, things that look less like creatures and more like, you know, outer worldly things that do the same kind of tasks, but do it with, you know, uh, arms and wheels and, and, and less human like, uh, representations. I think people will figure it out with the human representations, just like they figured it out with dealing better with women and racial minorities. Certainly not that 
uh, everyone does all the time, to be sure, but certainly in a public forum, in companies, in restaurants, in in places where societies come together, uh, the, the bad behavior is largely eliminated now. Um, you know, I think it will be the same with robots as well. It it represents a continuing evolution of us as animals to treat things better, to not have um, expressions of rage, anger, disrespect, violence. Um, you know, those are those are things that are part of our less evolved selves. Those are part of the Stone Age human, and as we become increasingly a a, a different manifestation of humanity in a context that is wildly different, our behaviors will similarly um, come to be uh, much more um, admirable, I think. So, you know, there's so many possibilities of the future, what different robots will look like or, or how they'll manifest writ large. Um, but I think that the at the end of the day, the people will be treating them well, um, just as a natural byproduct of our continuing evolution forward. Yeah, that's a that's a great take on it, Dirk. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at dniemeyer, that's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R, or email me, Dirk, at goinvo.com. So that's it for episode 145 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.